All right, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of the Paul Green Comedy Podcast. I have a very, very special guest. That's a lot of specials. I like it. This is Ezra Stormont, everybody. I feel like <laughs> this should be a round of applause. <laughs> there should be there should be some claps there. It yeah. feels like the way that's set up. Yeah, I'll add those in post. Um, <laughs> Seinfeld it up. Seinfeld. Bow, bow, bow. So. Ezra is an incredibly funny stand-up comedian here in the Phoenix area who I've worked with multiple times. Great energy, very funny, and so glad to have you on the podcast. Thanks for doing this. Oh, I'm so glad to be here on a special edition of the podcast. I love that. It's a way. special occasion of the special podcast po- special. Podcast was that your creation? That's fantastic. Yeah, see what I did is I took the word podcast. I see. And I took pod out. And put Paul in. And you're Paul. And I'm Paul. <laughs> so it's a podcast. I thought I was so creative. Perfect. And then I Googled podcast and there's like 20 of them. <laughs> <laughs> I may be funny and witty, but I'm not original. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. We'll try to make a pun with Ezra. It's not. Yeah. Uh, that's not an easy. Ezra one. cast. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> there's nothing. I don't even have anything that rhymes really. Ezra. Esmeralda. I guess. Yeah, that didn't work. All right. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll think about that. So, Ezra, I, uh, I advertise my podcast as a podcast by a dreamer for dreamers or for dreamers by a dreamer. I consider myself a dreamer. I, I have big dreams. I go for those dreams as best as I can. And I love living in that space of talking about dreams, the struggles, the victories, how it's going. I love that. We're sitting in your dream. We're sitting it's in my dream. I'm, I'm building it. By the way, you are the first guest that I've had in this room. Yeah. Not my first guest. So that that's why there were so many specials in the intro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are actually the third person I've interviewed. First person, though, I interviewed in a hotel room in Colorado. Ooh. It's not nearly as sexy as it sounds. <laughs> you didn't get all the brick. No, know. no brick. And then I interviewed Jim Perry, who you also know, oh, but I, I interviewed him at his comedy club so you are the first one in my newly refurbished well it is it is beautiful you've really done wonders with the place well you know when a comic when a comic invites you on a podcast you have no idea what to expect usually nudity i thought it was going to be like in a basement (laughs) (laughs) you know like in a dungeon like why do i have to take my clothes off for this it's I thought podcasts podcast were mostly audio. So it's about talking. I know we were doing a stern thing. I wanted to be very vulnerable. I want to get to the naked truth. So I feel metaphorically. Okay, that got weird very fast. But uh, so under the uh, umbrella of dreams, going for dreams, I would love a little bit of your origin story. Let us know who you are, how you got into comedy, what your dreams are. For sure. All of that. Uh, Ready, I, go. I love the <laughs> I love the dreamer uh, concept in general for the show. But yeah, no, I this started as a dream, and I actually started when I was 13 years old up in South Dakota. Yeah, hot spot for comedy. Yeah, everyone, anybody who's anybody, you, you left South start. Dakota. <laughs> you left those opportunities <laughs> behind and left all those cattle. And I came, <laughs> I came here. You left all those cattles to do cattle calls. What? Oh, come on, come on. Uh, all right, I'll come on. Give, give me a up. pound for I'll that pun. A pound up. for a pun. A pound for a pun. Yeah, that sounds like another. That's got to be a segment. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say a pound for a pun. We're just going back and forth pun wise. But yeah, no, I had to, I had to get out for obvious reasons. But when I was thirteen, I didn't have much of a choice, so I made it work. And uh, my dad actually owned a youth ministry, and him and I wrote my first like 
little, it was probably five, six minutes to stand up. And I took that on the road, toured it to a bunch of different churches and youth groups. And, um, you know, and then at the end, a pastor would come out and be like, hey, Jesus. (laughs) If you found that funny, how about eternal salvation? How? Yeah, one of my just like we saved you with laughter. <laughs> yeah, now we will save you with the Lord, <laughs> dude. I'm so just coming weak. up with these, man. Yeah, I, like I should it. have been your PR department. I'm so weak. I right? should have called me when I was 13. <laughs> 13. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I did that, I got in so much trouble. I, it's like Paul, we can't have you hanging around 13 year old boys. Yeah. That's <laughs> so weak. People aren't convinced that I'm not 13. <laughs> <laughs> you looks like you haven't changed a bit. To no, be honest. It just got worse, you know. I didn't get any older, just worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I started uh 13, a lot of different youth groups, churches. Um, and then I kind of switched to improv and acting mainly was my focus. I did that a lot like in college. I went to MCC here. Did, oh no way. Did, did like, you have an agent? Were you doing commercials? Doing no, theater. Yeah, yeah. I did like six productions over there. I actually won Best Supporting Actor at the Arizonians one year. Not so, not so Best not Supporting to toot, Actor. Huh? Not to toot my own, but toot toot. Well, but you just did. I definitely did. <laughs> not to toot my own, but here <laughs> no, I go and toot. <laughs> here I go and toot. So I loved, I loved acting, but I always just got frustrated like being pigeon held by material. It's yeah. like you have to interpret someone else's works and stuff. And um, I found like when I did improv, I could do whatever, say whatever. And as long as the crowd liked me, right, it, it was all cool. And right. so I was, I wanted to get. Except when the crowd didn't like you, then it was, then it was not cool. Not cool at all. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily for me, I'm easy to love. You are hard to dislike. <laughs> you know, that is the thing. I have tried so hard to dislike you. Yeah. Well, ask my six... wife. It's easier than it. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> There, there are times. No, well, we'll get to the wife. Let's not jump ahead. All right. I'm so you're at the story. You're at MCC. You're crushing it uh, in acting. You're getting best supporting actor in Arizona. Arizona um, Awards. And then, all right. So how did that uh, circle back into uh, comedy? Well, uh, I was kind of like, I was kind of done with acting. I, I, I loved the responses I was getting from improv, but I didn't know where else to take it. I kind of felt like. My journey with improv at that time was over. I just didn't know how to make money off of it, how to like make it big. It was by the way, neither does any other any, improviser. You're right. <laughs> like I didn't know how to scale. corporate gigs. I could not for the life of me picture how to scale. And right. corporate gigs is kind of that's exactly right. Like yeah. that's it's that or I mean, or your call and mockery, or that's it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or SNL, Those two options. Yeah. 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 You know, there's not a whole lot. I I know there's roads for improvisers and stuff, but I just couldn't see where my journey would continue with that here. Right. And so um, I kind of just like grew some balls one night and was like, I'm going to do some, can I use language on this thing? Probably not swear words, okay. but I think we can get away with balls. Balls is okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I grew some courage. <laughs> <laughs> if you need to blame balls. Your courage dropped. <laughs> my courage dropped. <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's funny. All right, I'll pound for fun. We'll, we'll pound for fun. We'll crack ourselves up if nothing else. Yeah, well, yeah. no one else has laughed at me ever. I just, uh... man. So yeah, I just like I didn't know where else to take it, and so I just this, I grew some courage, and I went to uh, Devil's Advocate. Uh, oh yeah, across the street from Tempe Improv. And um, I tried some wacky stuff there. I was actually doing my 
my Hitler bit at the time. It's a great bit. Gotta love Hitler. It was in its. You know, the only thing I love more than Hitler is a Hitler bit. (laughs) 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 It's one of my favorites. (laughs) Dude, probably my. Speaking of Hitler bits, second favorite to your Hitler bit, of course, is Bill Burr's bit about Hitler when he talks about the limo ride home from the Olympics. Where Jesse Owens just crushed that everybody. had to be an awkward far oh, ride. Like, In <laughs> nice day, Jack. <laughs> That's so good. I, my one of my favorites got to be uh, Norm Macdonald. Have you seen him on the the Late Show? Her. Oh, is it when he's like, uh, you know, uh, Germany? They uh, they uh, chose for their uh, enemy there, the world. <laughs> He's like, everyone's worried about North Korea, and they're worried. I have a terrible Norm Macdonald impression. Okay. Right. Mine, was, <laughs> like, mine was definitely better. Yours was way better. Yeah. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Give credit to the podcast. But uh, <laughs> he, uh, he uh, oh, shit, what's the, uh, shoot, what's the, uh, oh, balls. I mean, oh, oh courage. <laughs> You're going to be quick with that bleep button with me, man. Um, yeah, where he's like, I don't, I, everyone's worried about North Korea. They're worried about China. He's like. I'm worried about a different country. I don't know if you guys are history buffs or not. <laughs> that, that kills me every time. Not if you're history buffs, but uh, I don't know if you guys are history buffs or not. But, but you know, there used to be a world war, and uh, <laughs> Germany they chose as their enemy there. The world, and uh, and that didn't go too well. And uh, yeah. you thought like, oh, that must have ended in like twelve seconds, and it was like, no, it was pretty close. Well, it was actually. <laughs> if you just want to do Norm Macdonald for the next couple of hours, yeah. I'm down. Ah, uh, so uh, sometimes I get material from odd places. Rest in peace, Norm Macdonald. Rest in peace. Oh, that was so anyway, answer. enough about Hitler and Norm Macdonald. Yeah. So you are, uh, let's try to wrap this back. Oh, so Devil's Advocate. Devil's Advocate. <laughs> you're doing an open mic and you're doing your Hitler bit, which is hilarious, by the way. I hope yes. that's online somewhere. It's not yet, actually. Oh, well, uh, don't actually. bring your material, baby. <laughs> that's true. They got to pay to see it. They got to pay to see it. pay to see it. Come to the valley, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> All the way from South Dakota. That's right. Leave that hot bed of comedy for a hotter bed of comedy. <laughs> I'm so weak for a hotter bed of comedy. <laughs> so I was doing Hitler then, and I will say, <laughs> at Devil's Advocate at the time, not going well. You know, decent, but everyone, it's a tough mic. Everyone's sure, kind of nervous. Sure. It's been around for forever, and it's awesome, and it's a great place to, like, to work out some stuff. But, you know, for a first-timer... I was at the bottom of every bucket. Sure. Magically. And. Uh, <laughs> Darn the luck, huh? I know, right? <laughs> How did that happen? I don't know. How did I start at the bottom? Oh, weird. Every yeah. night for four weeks. But. I still Is that microphone still falling over on you? Just a little bit, but like, we're becoming one. It's okay. <laughs> I feel like your foot is propping it up. I'm doing the best I can. With yeah. It. Sure. All right. That's, I'll work that out. You know, when I get a real guest, uh, just <laughs> so me. Why would I bring you on here and insult you? Because you know you can. Because uh, I guess so I know funny. I can. That's so funny. And <laughs> yeah, when you get a real guest, make sure it's stiff and yeah, I'll, uh, straw. Get real brick. And... Yeah, I'll put a piece of wood under that or something. 
All right, so you're at devil's advocate. You're you're having a lukewarm response, which is typical of any open mic. Sure. If you're crushing at an open mic, that's actually a really bad sign. Yeah. That means most audiences are probably going to boo you off the stage. Yeah, it means your material's probably dark. Yeah, a, lot a little of too dark. Yeah. Yeah, which even... For me doing Hitler and stuff, I'm a I'm a pretty positive light yeah. guy, you know. And even my Hitler bit, as you know, is is pretty. It's about me, and it's yeah. it's pretty positive. Even so, I I don't go super dark, so I'm not always um like loved by every open micer because I'm kind sure. of a, I'm a positive guy. Yeah, and most open micers don't like comedians who are actually very clearly good at this. Yeah, I'm so- <laughs> There's some jealous. Oh, the resentment of just like, oh, oh man. man, they actually have a set and they're not just up there talking hear, about. How often do you hear now I write on stage? And like yeah. some people can and some people it's a decent, but like some people say they write on stage. And yeah. Just. Hey. You know what I mean? I will not criticize any process that's working. Oh, for you. you were with me a second ago. <laughs> I will not criticize any process but working. But yeah, when true. they say I write on stage, I have my suspicions. Yeah. I will say that. And some people I've really seen it. Some people really do write on stage, and like that is what works for them, and it's how they find their voice. And we all write on stage to some degree, sure. But we're like all, you know, riffing a little bit, yeah, but finding new stuff. You but... should have at least thought through what you're going to talk about, right? You know, even if you don't write it down, like, yeah, you know, think it think the crew a little yeah well i think it's misleading to a lot of comics who are newer who think oh i'm just going to go on stage it's going to come to me i'm going yes. like i would love that yeah and i i even hear people say like oh i wish i could be like dave Chappelle and just go up there and riff i'm going like wait a minute that's what you think he does y- you think that's what he's doing yeah. you think bill burr is just up there riffing <laughs> yeah, it's, like that's no it's like it's good it's a compliment to them because they can make it look so natural you yeah. think and it like it should come off like you're thinking yeah. of it on the spot almost like right. even though you've done a joke a thousand times like I bring that acting thing to it where right. it's like it should feel like a new thought like right. you're expressing a new thought with these people yeah I had a, it's new to them I had a comedy teacher say stand up comedy is the illusion of spontaneity yeah yeah that's that's really good like that's I think that's acting. you wanted what I was thinking about right now in this moment yeah. I mean I was thinking about this joke that I wrote eight years ago. <laughs> And this bit that I have meticulously handcrafted every single word, but I'm just thinking of it right now. I swear, I've never thought about this before. New th- so Hitler, right? <laughs> you want to what occurred to me about Hitler <laughs> just now? Right. I actually, uh, I, I saw this uh, comedian, and and it was so funny to just pull the curtain back a little bit because he's a brilliant comedian. His name's Rodman. He won uh, uh, last comic standing like four or five years ago. Oh my incredible stand-up comedian so you know he was touring he was on the tonight show he's blowing up and he was here at the tempe improv and i bought tickets to see him two nights in a row because i liked him that much right dang now if you listen to his material again sounds so spontaneous sounds so off the cuff right now what was funny and here, here here's where we pull the curtain behind right in the middle of the show he has a bottle of water on the stool right <laughs> in the middle of the show just randomly he grabs the bottle of water he's he starts trying to unscrew the cap and it's kind of difficult. So he just hands it to this woman in the first row while he's just doing his material. She opens the thing. He gets, he takes a drink and puts it down. I was like, Oh, that's kind of funny. I went the next night beat for beat for beat word for word for word. And the exact same part yeah. grabs the water bottle, tries to screw it, hands it to somebody in the front row. They unscrew it for him, takes a drink. That was 
like written into his act. And it's it, like you said, the illusion, the illusion of spontaneity. That's yeah. exactly what I think Louis has talked about that, you know, in some of his some of his things. He's like, I want to make it seem like it's ha- like it's happening now like right. with me while I'm creating these ideas, even though we've created them years ago. And that's all acting is right. It's, right. it's ideas that are written by dudes that are mostly dead right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're yeah. you're taking these words and you're you're making them uh i don't know you're kind of alive again yeah and that and that really is what's so fascinating about about stand-up and also sort of encouraging because i think there's this idea of oh stand-up comedians are just fun funny people and they just stand on stage and because they're funny that's what makes it funny. It's like, no. And so many audiences, I think, miss that. No, you're actually watching somebody who's written like a play. Yeah, who's, who's crafted. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And if it's... I think you're right. I think a lot... Of, I think there are a lot, of, especially new comedy audiences who yeah. who think that, who don't listen to like podcasts where com- yeah. comics like, you know, do the how it's made kind of deal. Right, you know? right. Yeah. And I was actually t- talking to, to Jim Perry about that because he has his comedy club and he performs mm-hmm. every week in his comedy club and he has yeah. his routine. But he has a lot of regulars. He says, I'll have regulars coming up to me said, oh, well, that's what you did last week. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you're like, assuming that, yes. Oh, he just writes a new 15 minute spontaneous every week. Yeah. Performance. And it's just or every uh, night. Yeah. yeah. Or every night. Right. Yeah. And it's like, that's just not what we do. Like, yeah. you know, there are comedians who write an hour and they tour with that hour for couple of years yeah that's it's kind of oh i'm still doing jokes i wrote eight years ago oh yeah you know and you're always you always should be adding new you know and and you know refreshing the the material a bit there should always be you know testing new stuff but right there's nothing wrong with giving the crowd what they want i know right (laughs) (laughs) right but i mean it is a it is a fascinating idea because once you have a bit that works mm. consistently, I mean, that's gold. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So to then be like, oh, I have this thing that I know works. I'm now going to go try to get another one of those. Because the process, as you know, to get to that gold is arduous and risky painful. and uncomfortable and painful. Ooh. And it's, first of all, you just got to write something, think it's funny in oh, your head, yeah. get it on paper. Well, people don't realize how much editing is involved. Right. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I have like, I have probably like, 30 pages, 40 pages at home, just like full of jokes. And yeah. I probably use like two pages. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something like that. Like there's so much editing. And then of those two pages, like a page survives. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so much. It's constantly just like spewing ideas, whittling them down. Right. Spewing ideas. Yeah. My first comedy teacher, Tony Visick, he said, if you want to write a good joke, write 10 jokes. Yeah. If you want to write 10 good jokes, write 100 jokes. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent. Yeah, so this idea of every time a comedian's on stage that they're just spontaneously crafting this act. Yeah, and they do a new one every week. You know, no, and I think I think you know to go back to it, like oh, I think some open micers walk in with that belief too, and I right. think they can get up there and just like oh, I'll just like like he does, like he crafts crafts his set in that moment. I'll do the same thing. Right, it's like that's. Yeah, yeah, not quite. So you see a lot of O-Wikers get up there and be like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you, do, you do it better than I do it. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> it's a deer in headlights. I do a better Norm MacDonald. You do a better Hitler. <laughs> I do a better deer in headlights. <laughs> <laughs> we have our strengths is what you're saying. You uh, do better at converting people to Jesus. So <laughs> I think we, you take our pros and cons. They all balance out. <laughs> so, Okay. So fun little uh, tangent there on the art of comedy. Yeah. So let's get back to your life, your dreams. So you are 
Add Devil's Advocate. Uh, you're doing some open mic stuff. It went tepid as can be expected. Anybody who crushes at their first open mic. Yeah, it's, it's I don't, an anomaly. Yeah. It's not, it's kind of like, I don't know if you're, you, you, I don't know if you're a golfer, but it's like doing good on the practice range. It's right. Like, you might have a bad round. It's right. kind of like that. Like your first open mic is good. It's like, oh, your first show might not be. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was good though for me to be humbled and to, to, you know, I think it's good for every comedian to go through that a little bit. And it wasn't like I was, um, I wouldn't say I bombed necessarily. Like I, I had people entertained, whatever, sure. but it wasn't like, <laughs> you know, it wasn't we're going to make this kid a star. I, yeah. I, I know it was out there like, who is he? Yeah. Come to my limo, son. Give me his game. <laughs> you know, it, it definitely wasn't like that. I want you to sign this contract. I'm going to make you a star. I get 80%. I get 90% of the royalties. I get 80% of the merchandising. I'm still waiting for that guy. Yeah, well, dude. <laughs> hey, if that guy shows up in my life, I will sign that effing contract. I'm Let me so tell you. Something. It's like, what is this? Just my soul? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, he said, Dad, he's going to make me a star. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I did sign a contract with one of those guys in L.A. So. <laughs> Totally ended up being a fraud, like literally, like oh, ended yeah. up on like a fraud website. And stuff. Oh, you're <laughs> kidding! We had um... that's okay. I only paid him seventy four thousand dollars. So, son, <laughs> just kidding. I didn't. The worst that happened was I spent five hundred dollars on his photographer, oh. who was a total joke. Oh my god! So it was a five hundred dollar lesson. Not <laughs> that's funny. I uh, when I was when I was like I was probably like twelve. I've, I've always kind of had like an entertaining bug in. Sure. Like I, I've always just been at least a little funny, and always definitely just like loving positive attention where I can get it respectfully. Right. And uh, so my uh, my dad had an idea to bring me to this like modeling agency cattle call that was in Sioux Falls at this like big thing, and we all we all just for context in South Dakota, this is a model. <laughs> That was so mean. Why am I being so mean to you? <laughs> this is the South Dakota 10 every day. This is as good as it gets up there. When you eat nothing but corn, you get me a Brock Lesnar. That's it. <laughs> oh so, so I went in. So you went to a modeling agency? I did. I did. As a child, nonetheless. As a child. My dad with me, and they had they had you read uh, one of like three of these like monologue commercials sure, things sure. selling bubble gum or who knows what, and uh, you were just selling a non-existent product just to like pitch yourself to the modeling agency. And I remember there was a kid in front of us who uh, who was there, and um, we he asked if we would read together, and I was like sure. And so I read, and he read. And my dad and I privately, after I read with that kid, we agreed that like, hey, if this kid goes through, this is a scam. Like that, that was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> he was our parameter. Like if he goes through, there's no way this thing's legit. Yeah. And so I, of course, get past. My dad gets that dad's phone number, and he asks him, and he's like, yeah. I guess we'll see you at the next round, and you just have to pay a thousand dollars, and then you get to participate. Yeah, headshots. yeah. You're gonna participate in this play where, but you don't understand. There's all these Hollywood executives that come and watch yeah. you. You see, and then they're gonna pick you up, and you could be the next Hannah Montana. Right, right. <laughs> uh, beat for beat for beat is exactly how I discovered that my first agency in LA was a scam because he did the exact same thing. He brought me in, he got me headshots, 
that were too expensive for what I got. Like $500 isn't too much for headshots, but you should get some really Jeez. decent headshots. And of course they were garbage, it right? Be, it should be a full day of, for 500 yeah. bucks, it should be like a full day of shooting, yeah. like different locations. Yeah. Like, like that, you should be paying for a yeah. premium pack. I got, I think, I mean, I, not that I, and it was literally I had a call love, but... of photographer, like of actress getting. So I, I was with the guy for like 20 minutes. In a studio. In a studio. And I was like, stand here, stand in front of this backdrop, stand in front of this backdrop. Hold this boom, chicken. Boom, boom, hold this chicken. Um, <laughs> so then the next thing that he does, he goes, I get this email, said, hey, everybody, we're doing this convention in New York, like the models and talent, whatever. And okay. it's, you know, there's this promo and it's like Ashton Kutcher on a, uh, in his underwear. And, oh, this is how Ashton Kutcher got his start. And. Uh, so you need to audition yes. to go to this thing. And so I go into his office and I audition for him. And lo and behold, he accepts me, even though I'm already his client technically. And then the next thing is like, okay, uh, yeah, it's like $7,000, uh, you know, for this all expenses. And that's to share a room with like eight other people is the $7,000. <laughs> and when I look at the payment plans, all of the oh payments, gosh. when it says who to send the payment to, it's to the agency. It's not to the con convention, if there even was a convention. And I'm going, oh, oh I totally get how this guy Damn. works now. And that's when I bounced. Yeah. And I'm going, okay, this is out. My dad Googled it, too, after we heard that kid didn't get through. And he, he Googled the agency or whatever. And he's like, Ezra, I can't find a single article that's not a scam. Like, right. It's not people just screaming, do not give yes. these people your money. Yeah. He's like, we can't do it. We can't do it. But as a kid, you know, being 12, you don't understand that. I was right. like... They chose me and you're saying no? Well, anybody moving to Hollywood, right? I mean, because yeah. they just, they're just predators of well, dreams, speaking of dreams, in, right. And when you're in, yeah, speaking of dreams. Yeah. And when you're in South Dakota, yeah. you're a little kid with a dream. Right. And someone dangles that in front of you. Right. Like, I would have, I would have sold all my toys. Yeah. I you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it was just how, um, how vigorously I, I wanted it. But, you know, luckily that's what parents are for. They, right. They keep you out of those, uh, those nets you can't see. Yeah. Okay, so you didn't get scammed. <laughs> so in South Dakota. Didn't get scammed in South Dakota. So now you're back here. You're uh you're you did Devil's Advocate. We keep getting back I don't think we've gotten past Devil's Advocate. I'm sorry, okay, we yeah, keep, yeah, yeah. We got on tangents, which I love the tangents, no, by no, the way. It's, it's so I want to hear sort of the transition of doing that first open mic mm -hmm. to well that went well enough. You felt something. I felt I felt something. I was like, you know, I I, I think this is true with whatever you're doing. Like if it's like slam poetry or open mic or whatever just go watch people do it who are amateurs at it and are trying it for the first time too right like because that's really i went to devils first not doing stand-up like i just wanted to go watch a night right because i was like you know am i like am i meant what is this gonna be and then you watch some people bomb and you're like oh i i'm better than that <laughs> But I think that's everyone's you know natural process. Like I, I, you know, I think everyone starts anything by going, "Oh, I think I can do better than that." Right. You right. know what I mean? And it was like, you know, so I, if you're ever interested in starting anything, I think just go to a place where other people are trying it for the first time, and maybe you'll get that little spark of, "I think if I work at this, I can definitely do better than that." Yeah. Bald guy. I mean, come <laughs> on, let's. I won't embarrass myself. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, but I, I think that's everyone's kind of start to that. So I so I was doing Devils. It, it went okay. And then I had this like random trip back to South Dakota, actually. And they um they had an open mic there, just like at the side of a pizza place. Yeah. And I was like, all right, like, let's let's give it a try. Well, I'm in town. Never, like, I don't even live here anymore. I'm not going right. to see any of these people. Like, who cares if I bother? So I really went all in and I just like committed to the bits that I had started crafting. 
head devil's advocate and stuff. And um, it went really, really well. Like it, yeah, it went yeah. really well. And I was like, oh, like this might actually, like this could be something. And then um, to bring it back to Jim Perry, uh, I, I was looking at clubs that were near me. Um, improv Mania was one uh, that I had knew, known about from my improv yeah. background a little bit. And um, I went to Dave's open mic. and Dave Speck? Yeah, Dave Speck. And yeah. Dave, Dave liked me, gave me a few pieces of advice that I still really appreciate. And um, he wanted me to come and do a show like after my first open mic at Improv. Not my first open mic ever, but you know, yeah. my first open mic there. He's like, I want you on. And then I did, I saw JP's and it opened, I mean, like right at the start. This is 2020. Right. So right at the start of pandemia and but right i think it was i can't remember if i did my first open mic there and we were in masks or if it was right after pandemic but it was somewhere around that time and uh it was a tough time for the for the club or tough time for clubs in general across you know the states or whatever tough time to start your comedy yeah. journey right um but i was committed um, and I went out masked up and stuff and just like kept my distance, but still yeah. did the thing. And, and Jim saw me too. And he put me on and kind of the, the rest is, the rest is history. I built my relationship with him there. And then I, you know, I, I think I met you at, did we meet Improv Mania? We either met there. We might've met there first. I think we met there first, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And we definitely worked together at Jim's a bunch. Right. Um, but I think, I think it was, yeah. And I didn't do a ton of improv mania gigs. I know Dave Speck for my improv days. So Dave and I used to be je uh, members of the jesters, which was an improv club oh, yeah. and is an improv club. I knew about the jester. I didn't know yeah. that you and him were on there. Yeah. I didn't know that either of you were. Yeah. Jester's how I got my start and I still do jesters regularly now. So I did jesters for like seven years and Dave and I just crossed paths. So we were in jesters for maybe about six months or so, but then he and his wife, who was also jester Colleen started improv mania. And then, oh, so I was jesters. Dave was doing improv mania. Start up. Do you know, do you know? Gosh, that was probably 2009, 2010, somewhere around yeah, there. That makes sense because I know they've been around. I've only been in the valley since 2016. So I yeah, knew they were around before me. Yeah, that's crazy. So I have a long relationship with Dave Speck, and mm -hmm. so I have my first, uh, the first because when I started doing open mics, my goal was just to get money. Like I didn't right. care. I wasn't trying to pay rent or whatever. I just like just. Anything. Someone, Give that money. Give that money. I want to write a joke and then someone be like, hey, that's worth this. Yeah. Something. And um, Dave Speck was like, hey, man, I know it's not much, but like, I just want to thank you for coming out and doing this show. And he threw me five bucks. It was just for like, hey, a little gas money. Yeah. Way. Oh, this is back when five bucks could take you a little distance. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, that meant a lot to me. I put it, I still have it in a frame in my house. Your first five dollars. My first five From Dave Speck. No way. Dave Speck. Your first money as a comedian. Yeah, because it meant a lot to me. That was my yeah. whole goal. I was like, maybe someone would give me a free beer or, yeah. or soda. I don't know. Right, <laughs> right, right. No. I think we can mention beer okay, without, okay. Uh, you know, we're okay. without YouTube shutting us down. I'm so weak. Yeah, just you can't demonetize me, YouTube. I'm not monetized. So... <laughs> Can't shut me down, Mark. Shut. I gotta make money before you can take it. Uh, I don't know why I got very aggressive there. So that's very cool. And so, talk to me about where you're at now. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll I'll tell you this. So um, 
I first got into dreaming, I got this job at a company called Infusionsoft, and they actually had a full-time dream manager at the company. Kidding. Just like this full-time life coach, one of the coolest dudes and very influential in my life. I'm still in touch with him to this day. And so he had this process to really get human beings to sort of open up and actually talk about what they want. Because I think the biggest thing about having a dream is even just talking about it. Because I think people yes. are so afraid of, well, what if it doesn't happen? And are, yes. or what it's, everybody's going to tell me why it won't happen. And The benefit to never vocalizing your dream is that you never set up the parameters for failure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I was, so I started meeting with him and, and he's just a master at getting people to open up. And he sat me down. And he just said, if, how did he word it? Something like, if you knew you would not fail, what would you, what would your dream be if you knew you wouldn't fail at it? Yeah, and good. for the first time in my life, I question. said out loud, I want to have a recurring role on a sitcom. And I'd never said that out loud, but it's been a dream of mine since I was a kid. I used to love watching like SNL, like all that stuff. It's like, I want to be on TV in a funny character, right? Very similar dream. Yeah. yeah. And so that just set me on this journey. And then a year later, later I move into LA and all of that stuff. So I would like to ask that move, to you. Move from LA or to LA from where? I So I lived here initially. Gotcha. I don't know if you know much of my story. So no, no, no. I'm from here, but in 2015, I moved to LA and I was in LA for seven years. Oh, I didn't know. I that. moved back here for a relationship that didn't work out, which you've probably heard me talk about on my stand up. I have heard that. So that brought me back to Arizona. And, and then I've sort of been regrouping for the last. <laughs> Yeah, year and a half. Uh, and I've thought about moving back to L.A. I, I haven't felt an inclination to move back to L.A., at least not now. If it happens, yeah. I'm open to that. But Well, you have some really good things going for you here right. in the Valley, to be honest. Yeah, and it really is the, you know, big fish, little pond. Yeah. It's like... I think I, I, I heard it from Kevin Spacey, who you shouldn't be taking a whole lot of advice from, but... <laughs> <laughs> we'll compartmentalize. We're going to compartmentalize. Art <laughs> for Vardis, right? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but I took a, an acting class from him, and he just he made a really good point of, like, before, he's like, there's a million people moving to L.A., there's a million people moving to New York, um, but there's theaters in North Carolina that are just begging for talent. Right. So there's theaters all in these, like, not small, but not big. Right. Arena media markets, yeah. These media markets, yeah, it's a great way to put it. Media markets, where it's like if you go and you earn your stripes in those media markets, you earn some references, you build your armor, is the way he put it. Um, then you can go to LA and you know, you have you're carrying not just experience with you, but you're carrying confidence, right? You know, and I think that one part of Spacey's beliefs, I really <laughs> held on to, <laughs> and that part only. <laughs> that part only. <laughs> well, he had a master class on you know that. Yeah, I'm sure they've taken it down by now. But yeah, yeah. I still own it. We <laughs> <laughs> so, want access. And man, was he he uh, he had some really yeah he was really really talented. Yeah, that. unfortunately, had the dark side, but um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, spacey aside. Yeah, I, I had a buddy. He, he worded like uh, perfect the hustle in a media market. Yeah, because in LA the hustle is even going to be insane, insane. And, and you're gonna have those guys who are coming in with all these stripes from media markets, right. where while you're just like scraping with another million dudes to get on the low level circuits that yeah. are crazy competitive. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where yeah. Where the low level circuits, they're everything's competitive, but it's sure. not. You know, you can get time. Yeah. You know, you can get time. You can be decent and get some time in the ballot, you know? Yeah. And that's just what I'm learning, you know, that 
since I come back here, I've sort of regrouped. I mean, the connections that I have here, the opportunities, they're so much more yeah. fulfilling. People actually sort of care about you. You know what I mean? Like yes. you create relationships that are meaningful. Where in LA, I mean, it, it really is so cutthroat Cold. of just how quick just you do the wrong thing, you say the wrong thing, because they just don't need you. And it's just the reality. I mean, it it can be harsh, but it's a comedy club. There's no comedy club in L.A. that needs Paul Green because they they have a thousand of me. They have 10,000 of me. Right. And 10,000 better than me and 10,000 better than that. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's only one Paul Green. Heck, yeah. There's only one one Paul cast except for the other 20 (laughs) Paul casts. This is the true Paul (laughs) cast. You know, listen to those. This is the one and only Paul cast. (laughs) You gotta get. Did I just become a Kennedy? This is the one. <laughs> You're quoting Highlander as Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> that can be only one. So Ezra, let me ask you this question. Yeah. I'll put I'll put you on the spot a little bit. If you knew you could not fail, what would your dream be moving forward as a comedian? Mm. If I knew I couldn't fail, I would want to do more stuff like this because I think this is just fun. I love I love podcasts and just like sitting and talking to comics about the process and their journey. Like I think what you have here is really cool. Um, I would do, I, I would be my own producer for a lot of comedy sketches. I would hire my friends and uh, create things that I think could be pretty cool. And then I would go on. I would do. I would continue down the stand-up journey, and maybe if I felt like some improv, I'd even do that. Yeah, you know, I just like wherever I can get on stage and um, and entertain. I just love. There's no better feeling to me than knowing, like, hey, these people that are out there, I made their day a little better. Yeah, like, even if it's even if it's this much. Sometimes you can even make their day better by bombing. Yeah, <laughs> you give them something to talk about on the ride home. But right. you put yourself out there. You were vulnerable. And you gave these people something to walk away from. And if I could do that on, you know, I don't, I never need to be in the limousines and famous or whatever. I just want to know that I'm making people's day better and maybe I can pay the rent because of it. Yeah. That, that, that would be the dream. That's, that's the dream, man. Yeah. I love it. And, and I talk about this a lot because I've, I feel like dreaming is almost like this pressure. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, no, you've got a, you've got, you, everybody has to want to be Taylor Swift. <laughs> No, or your life has no meaning, you know? So true. It's like right. if your dream's not a billion dollars, what do you do? Yeah, yeah, billion it's, dollars. You're, you're not dreaming big enough. Your dream's not generational wealth and yachts. Yeah. It's like, no, man. Yeah. No, like I just want to I just want to be a decent entertainer, make a good life for my family, like have yeah. kids. Like that's it. Yeah. That's it. I want to be a family man who just happens to make his living by making people laugh, make people happy. I love that. And you are a family man. We didn't even talk about that. Oh, yeah, I am. So you are recently married. I'm saying it like it just came to me. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, I am a family yeah. man. It was spontaneous. <laughs> <laughs> I just came up with it on the All spot. Right. It's not a pun, but I'm going to pound it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. We write this podcast on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Which I find it is funny. We actually are. But nah, it's actually a spontaneous. That's what podcasts are. Yeah, are. no, right. You podcast your is, format. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pick a lane. Hey, pick a lane. Nobody's entertained by this. You know what I mean? That's that's the difference. <laughs> See, Paul, I never have a problem with you being mean to me because you're equally mean to yourself. I know, right? I, I, I will throw myself under the bus and then bring everybody with me. <laughs> and then I pull everyone else under the wheel. Yes. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. But anyway, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Yeah. So tell me about uh, this relationship, how that happened, how that's yeah. tied into your dreams, your goals, how it's going. Uh, but I hope it's going well, by the way. I don't. <laughs> this conversation could get weird. She did drop you off in a Tesla. So I'm hoping that means that something's going well. Where's she at, by the way? Is she just uh, waiting for a text? I think she, she is waiting for a text, but I think she's hanging with her family at the okay. at, at this moment. Family's by. close by, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Not too, not too far from here. So she went to say hi. But um, yeah, no, we met in college um, at MCC. I told you I was doing those plays and stuff. The first play I did there was called uh, Story Theater. And uh, it was a children's play. And so we brought in a bunch of kids to MCC, but we also toured across like a bunch of elementary schools just here in the Valley. We actually set the MCC record for longest running show. It went forever. We toured to like 26 schools. No it was really I didn't realize MCC extrapolated oh. beyond their you know, in the theater shows. I know they're, it was kind of crazy. I got really lucky with MCC. It was a diamond in the rough because, um, yeah, just ASU, I was a homeschooler in, in South Dakota. And so the, 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 uh, transition from homeschooling to college can be difficult because different. Like, what's this evolution they're talking about? <laughs> what is this book called science? I've never seen this science book. <laughs> <laughs> So, so those of you watching this or listening don't know that we just had some major technical difficulties and everything shut down and broke. It's because they they don't want they they're trying to shut us down, man. We're we're speaking the truth, and they truth to power, man. <laughs> All right, it's a government conspiracy, and I don't care what anybody says. The nanobots. That's a <laughs> that's a good burr. Was that Bill? Oh no, I wasn't doing Bill Burr. That was that. Yeah, that oh, my billboard is like, you know, and I was sitting there and I'm sitting there going, I, I can't. Guess. That was good. Okay. But what you were doing before was almost more Bill Burr. The nanobots. That's what I was doing. <laughs> the nanobots. Okay. They're in our food, man. That's what I was going for. <laughs> You're, that's like Bill Burr's impression of a hippie. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. They, that's, that's probably what I'm true. That's what I'm Most of what I do is a derivative of another <laughs> of another comedian who's funnier than me. Half of my act now is about how I'm a chubby kid from South Dakota. So I. <laughs> anyway, keep telling me your life story. Uh, this is great. Um, let me. Uh, we're recording this, right? Okay. Uh, You'll never see this on the. Oh, internet. Hitler material. Okay, that's funny. What other type of jokes? <laughs> and how does that go exactly? Is that? <laughs> no, but where do you pause? <laughs> and now I'm working on uh, moving in on your wife. So tell me, what is she into? Happy <laughs> get all my stuff. I see. He wants a Tesla too. This is like a movie where I'm just like, I'm like that creeper who wants to take over the person's life. You know, like. Uh, like the talented Mr. Ripley or whatever that movie was. Never seen it, but you want to become me, essentially. I want to become. I want to become Ezra. <laughs> it's not a bad life. I'll tell you. What. I'll tell you what. You're married and you've showed up in a Tesla. You've got a wife waiting for you. It's a- you're crushing comedy. You're getting invited to one of the most exclusive of all the podcasts. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, the, the most special. Of yeah, special the other podcasts don't let anybody on. Don't let anybody <laughs> on. No filter. Not everybody. They're desperate. Yeah. Me, I'm selective. Mm-hmm. I do it. It was a whole screening process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to survive. Yeah, which also involved the cameras overheating. So, you know, it was. <laughs> they can't handle how. It's too hot. Too hot. The kitchen. I'm so weak. Okay. So, 
All right, so you end up at MCC. Yes. From homeschooling. From homeschooling. So You're in the MCC theater well, I was, apartment. I was talking a little bit, too, about the transition from homeschooling yeah. to, to college. It's hard. To science books. To science books. <laughs> it's hard because we don't learn anything. No, it's, it's sure. hard because uh, different states have different, um, different parameters for letting homeschoolers into their institutions, like different colleges. Mm-hmm. It varies per state and it varies per college. And I found out that Arizona, like at the universities, like they're uh, what you had to provide as a homeschooler. So you had you had to provide like I think it was like I'm gonna make up numbers here because I'm comedian, not an accountant. But it was something like you had to have like 600 hours of like documented lab time or something like that, where you had to like write out your hypothesis for how the experiment was gonna go, write out right. the results and everything like that. And I wasn't about to go fake 600 hours of lab time, so I went to uh, MCC for theater. And when I found out, I got really lucky there because they constantly work. And I was um, under the tutelage of the guy who runs the ASU department over there. He did many plays that I was able to participate in. And um, like the uh, Cara Thompson, she runs the design over there. She has an Emmy. Like um, they're, sure. they're, they're really like uh, I learned under Kevin Dressler, who founded the Southwest Shakespeare Company. I don't know why. Like they were a really like reputable institution for being a community college. Because if we're being honest, you think community college and you don't you don't think, oh, they nail the arts. You know, I think MCC is one of the largest in the country, though. Ah, I, I think they're huge. I think they are the. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say it confidently. I don't think you have a fact checker here. They're the largest in the country. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> No, you were homeschooled. We're not concerned about facts. All right? <laughs> yeah. Why am I ripping on that so Log- hard? <laughs> logic would, yeah, all homeschoolers are going to come after you. I know, right? All 12 of us. Yeah. <laughs> Just curse me to hell. I'll, uh... Uh, so we don't curse. Oh, okay. Uh, but... <laughs> I disagree. I heard you curse on this podcast. Oh, shoot. And you said balls. I did say balls. Sorry, you... homeschoolers. Yeah. I've let you down. <laughs> Eventually, we're going to get to your wife. <laughs> oh, so, okay, yeah. So so I ended up going with MCC because ASU just like, it, right, it just right. wasn't going to work with my credentials uh, sure. at the time. And uh, so I ended up working over at MCC. I got involved really quickly with the theater department, and I did this show called Story Theater, like the kid show I was telling you about. We toured all over the valley. And uh, my wife was cast in that play, too. Um, right. So uh, we had to paint ourselves as clowns every morning because that was part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really bad at the makeup, like horribly. My dad was very happy to hear that I was not good at that. <laughs> but <laughs> he was like, if I ever wanted my son. I don't want no pansy, boy. <laughs> He's like, you can do the theater, but. Yeah, we don't want. <laughs> you start wearing makeup. Dad, everybody wears makeup. What? <laughs> well, at least tell me you're not good at it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. Can I do a side tangent real quick? Oh, yes, just, please do. Just, just my dad. My dad has been like, like I told you, he helped me write my first stand-up. Yeah. He's been like one of the most supportive guys on this journey. My mom, too. Like the, my whole family, you know, I, I'll never get to an acceptance speech and I get to go like, oh, I, you know, I showed them. Like right. every, everyone believed in me. It's annoying. Uh, <laughs> it's it's great. I made it when I had every opportunity available to me. <laughs> uh, I only had everything going for me. Uh, but my... My dad was always very supportive of what I was doing, but there was a time in my life where I was 13, I was doing chess club. Um, I was involved with Lego robotics um, and I was in band and I grew up in a very small town, very like sports heavy. And, but my dad was like, you know, as long as you're doing extracurriculars, I'm just happy. You're going to end up a 40 year old virgin if you just stay right (laughs) 
He's like, you keep that's doing the that. path. That's you, the... You, you keep doing it. Chess club. Yes. Robotics <laughs> and band. I, man, I had braces at the time. <laughs> like it was, it braces and acne. I hadn't grown tall. I was short. My, I mean, my, my poor father was just barely hanging in there. And I, I remember he was just eating some soup or something. And uh, I had just come home from my first day of band practice. Cause like, why not throw that in the mix? Sure. And uh, I, I came home and uh, I told my dad, I was like, dad, I think, I think I'm going to play the flute. <laughs> Dead serious. He, I was like, dad, I think, I think I'm going to play the dad one in a cardiac he was, arrest. He was killed dad. He was mid by, this is the guy who supported me through no matter what crazy idea. You can be an actor, son. You can be a comedian. Like, yeah. I really believe you have that in you. Go do it. And he was mid by, he was just like, you're not playing the flute. <laughs> I have a line. I have a limit. He's like, I'm going to need you to get laid eventually. I, can't. I want you to carry on the family line, son. He's like, chess, fine. Lego robotics, fine. He's like, the flute, you're killing me. He's like, you can't play anything else. I was like, well, I guess I could play trombone. He's like, that's even better. Yeah. Somehow yeah. we got to such we, a low. We said it has a bone in it. Yeah. 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 Got such, just bone such is one letter away from boner. I like it. It's close enough. <laughs> I grew up in such a small town. We had people knocking on my door like, hey, are you doing your push-ups? Like, make sure you're staying fit. We need you for this football season. Yeah. And I was like, I was still like, no, theater. Like, yeah. I'm not. I grew 6'2", and they're like, please. Please come and do this stuff. Can't you play right tackle for us? Come on. Exactly what they wanted. Yeah. And I was like, nope, I'm going to be a weirdo in that. Uh, and yet you still walked into this house with a limp. You could have gotten nuts. <laughs> I still play softball. I still, still, still play softball. I'm in a freaking Denver Broncos. I'm like the <laughs> I'm like the nerdiest jock you have ever seen. It's so weird. I, I, I had a buddy in uh, LA, same body type as you, and his opening joke was so I know bad. when you look at me, you think, wow, that lesbian probably plays softball. <laughs> Pretty good. Which would work perfectly. Oh, that's perfect. That must be in play softball, yeah. I've done that before. I was like, I just came from softball practice. <laughs> I said lesbian softball practice, but I thought that was redundant. Yeah. That's my buddy Travis, by the way. I got I gotta uh, I gotta give credit to the joke. That's really funny. So I you have a like supportive a family. Yeah. You're at MCC, you're putting on clown makeup with your with your future wife. With my future wife, little did I know it at the time. And uh, funny enough, so I played a character called Simpleton, which was not a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Typecast again. Slid in Typecast again. Well, and I, I'll tell you, too, because like, I know you're an actor. You can appreciate it. Like, how I got the role was, like, everybody who I saw auditioning for this role of Simpleton, this very, like, dim-witted character, they all went in in the audition, like, they were like, hi, yeah. I'm Simpleton. And I just heard everyone going in that lower register, which is like, it just, it's just borderline not okay. It just yeah. doesn't, yeah. doesn't really work. Right. Yeah. And um, so I really like, was like, all right, if they're all going low, I'm going to go high. I'm going to be yeah. the opposite. I'm at least going to stand out. Yeah. And so my whole voice for Simpleton was like, hello, <laughs> how are you? Like, yeah. it was like this, like childlike wonder. Yeah. And um, it's booked it. Booked it. Booked it. So it got me the role. So I play Simple Ted, and my wife, funny enough to read around, she played uh, the princess who, if anybody could make her laugh, they would get to marry her. And Simpleton is the character at the end of the play that makes 
her laugh and and she mm. went home with me and then I was like, wouldn't that be cool in real life? And so I made it happen. Oh my God. Years later, actually. We were we were just friends until uh, about three years ago. Yeah. What what uh, what years ago, what caused me a shift there for her to break out of the friend zone with you? Uh it, it was more me. <laughs> like, oh. I shut, you know? Yeah. She was in your friend zone. <laughs> Sorry, lady. I can't be tied down. I got too many bitches right I now. Like, All these improv groups and flutes in need playing. <laughs> <laughs> I was too cool. Well, a scene that needs improvised and a flute that needs flute. I ain't got time for no lady. I got time for no women. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we ended up dating years later, though. I, uh, just kind of shot my shot, well, as the kids say, one yeah. night, and um, um, we kind of talked about it afterwards. Like, hey, what is what do we want to do with this? What does this mean? And I was, I'm a very direct person. I was like, I don't date to mess around. I was like, do you want? Do you see this long? I only date to mess around. <laughs> <laughs> I find most comedians have yeah. that philosophy. <laughs> I'm, I'm the weirdo. That's I, so cool, though, that because you had mentioned that. Being a family man, it seemed like that was in goal. your in your goal like, from the get go. Yeah, and like we talked about earlier, like if you don't set, if you don't verbalize your dreams, it's like you you can't make your dreams a reality if you're not even willing to say what you want. Yeah, you'll yeah. never get what you want if you can't even like say it to the world or to your potential future partner. Right. You know, and I wasn't like a weirdo who was like, you know, we got to get married right now. Like right. you know, like this this is a marriage. What are we doing? But I was just kind of like, hey, if we don't have a long term view on this thing, like is your goal family? Then why why even start the dance? Yeah, yeah. I'm like this is gonna end in heartbreak eventually. You're just right. yeah. So I'm, I'm a very direct person. I set those parameters on the first date, Heck like yeah. a psycho. But uh, you're like I really like y'all. But where's this going? <laughs> but where's this going? Right? Which is what do you see yourself with me totally, in five years? Totally normally the yeah. the. The females tend yeah. to bring that up stereotypically. It's like, where? What are we even doing here? Like, what's happening? I'll but it was me breaking the bread and you for the rest of my life. <laughs> we were, yeah, in my parents' backyard, and I just like, it just I just grilled her. I was like, "What do you believe?" And yeah, yeah. Like, so you still religious? Know. Still a pr- practicing Christian? I assume she has that same faith as well. So yeah, yeah. Common. She's a she's a Christian as well. That that made uh, that made things a little simple. She came from a Mormon background. I came oh, from like right. a more not. I I have a Mormon background too. Oh, rock and roll. Just see her for which is why I'm atheist. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> every yeah. every uh I every person I talk to who says I grew up Mormon or I grew up Catholic is now a former Mormon. Yeah, a former Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> every single one of my friends who I talk to is like, yeah, I grew up in the church. I'm like, really? still involved like no no wised up to those tricks i told her i was like you believe in mormonism like i believe in christianity I'm like we believe in the same stuff just i i just don't believe in the fan fiction that was written yeah <laughs> <laughs> years later and the jews say the same thing about my stuff so yeah. you know it's yeah. it's it all goes around just so you know whatever religion you believe in is the right one thank you I whatever religion it. you believe in is the absolute right one you're right and I am wrong because mm-hmm. I do not want it. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, uh, I, I want to make it clear too. I don't set a set on my uh, my comedy journey to even. I'm not trying to convert anybody. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, that's what brings me my happiness in life. It is a part of me, but it's yeah. not like, I don't know. I'm not in the green room trying to shove it down every comic's throat or anything like that. It's just how I live my life. Yeah, I didn't even know you were a Christian. Matter of fact, I'm 
shocked that you are based off of <laughs> some of the jokes I tell. You've actually totally changed my impression of what Christianity must mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, let's have a conversation. Yeah, right. <laughs> Start a new podcast. Um, so that is amazing. So, man, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for coming and being the first one mm-hmm. in the podcast room uh, for sharing your journey. Congratulations on everything. I would, uh, if you could, I kind of did this with Jim, as you saw. So yeah. if you could have your Oprah moment, your uh, your words of advice, Ooh. some sort of tidbit of wisdom to everybody out there, whatever your dream is. And I talked about your, there is no such thing as a small dream, you know, being able to, to raise a family and, and perform or whatever. Not everybody can be Taylor Swift or Jerry Seinfeld. If that is your dream, also, I say declare it and go for it. Yeah, yeah. By, by the same time. But Absolutely. no pressure if that isn't your dream. No. If no. it's more, you know, humble or whatever. So. <laughs> Just like humble or humble. whatever. I don't even like using that word because that's almost a diminishment of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I know what you mean. It's, yeah. it's kind of a, a humble dream, you know, because like I said, all I wanted to do was pay rents and, yeah. and get by, you know. And don't get me wrong, there's a part of me, too, that's like, oh, I would love to scale and, you know, make a million people's day better as yeah. opposed to 60 in a club, you know. Yeah. But I, I'm look, 60 people show up, I'm happy, you yeah. know. Like, yeah. it's 12 people and I can make them laugh. I'm happy. Yeah. So uh, if you had a word of wisdom, a tidbit of knowledge as a dreamer, as a performer that you could share with our online audience. Uh, be careful where you get your words of wisdom. Don't get it from guys like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my word. word of wisdom, number one, don't listen to my words of wisdom. <laughs> Let's start there. Um, uh, I don't know. I think if you ask me this question... I would change day to day, but kind of where I'm at right now, I think know people's, know who you're around, know their strong suits and know what they give you advice on. Like if your fat friend is telling you how to eat, like maybe, maybe don't take that advice. But if you're, if you're successful friends telling you how to get your life in order, maybe listen up. So it's like, know your, know your people around, know what they're good at, know their strengths and weaknesses and, and take the advice as it comes, but uh, don't follow it all. And, um, um, I, the world's colorblind and, um, uh, and, uh, uh, love one another. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're ready to, no, I think that, that, that that's really important. I talk a lot about how, how often people try to tell me what to do. And I used to care a lot. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you don't take it personal, right. it's actually really useful. I heard someone say too, like if someone gives you advice about like your set, they're almost never right about what your solution should be. Right. But they're often right that there's a problem. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? And I think that's a, I think that's a really good piece of advice. It's like, don't take from an audience member. Don't let them rebuild your set. They don't know what they're talking about. Right. But they might know like, hey, I didn't get that. Or I that, didn't laugh. Or, yeah, yeah, I didn't laugh. They know if they're laughing or not. That's exactly. for sure. Exactly. They know how it affected them. And that you should listen to. But like, yeah. you know, don't let people build your sets. Let me, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you ever have, do you ever have people go like, uh, oh, you could write. 10 minutes about me right oh yeah oh i get that all the time hey hey usually it's like hey don't put this in your act it's like trust me it's not gonna (laughs) the only thing that is going in my act is people telling me not to put them in my act because my 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 mother for example she keeps she keeps so i do the hitler bit right it's kind of like one of the things i'm known and she keeps wanting me to do a putin bit (laughs) so bad 
let's just have a whole so bad. Let's just have a whole dictator. <laughs> That's uh, what I said. I was like, Mom, I can't be the dictator guy. Yeah, I can't just be the guy. I do a Russian accent, and she keep. I'm like, the, the dude, but I bet you your Mussolini bit will knock people <laughs> on their ass. <laughs> That's so funny. So I Mussolini, see. Hitler, and Putin were sitting in a bar. I'm like, hey, I thought I was the bad guy. I don't even know what that is. That was like Andrew Jai's that play. Was Clay. Yeah, that, that was Clay. That was 110% yeah. Andrew. So I'm effing Mussolini in his... Okay, now this is... Hickory dickory <laughs> dock. Hitler <laughs> came down a clock. <laughs> 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 so your grandmother is telling you to do more uh, dictator bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom, my mom. Oh, your mom. My mom. She keeps telling me to do, to do a Putin bit. And I'm like, I just can't be. Just because I can do a Russian accent yeah. it doesn't mean that this is. And like every time I crack a joke at dinner now, I don't know if you get the same thing. I'll crack a joke at dinner and they'll be like, No, you better use. You better use that. That's, you better well, throw that. And it's, kid, it's like what we talked about. Like people have no idea the process to actually get a bit on stage. No, that works. And just because, oh, okay, this is my favorite. Oh, oh, okay, use this in your act. So the other day, I, I'm at Denny's with my friends, okay? And then the waiter, okay, oh, by the way, uh, the waiter, uh, his name was Jake. You need to know that. Okay, so anyway, so then the waiter comes up. Oh, by the way, Jake, uh, he's my uncle's uh, second cousin. You need to know that. Yeah. Okay. And then, all right. Eight dogs. So, oh, yeah, and he likes dogs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so then right, Jake, right. okay, so we're there at Denny's. Oh, by the way, it's a Thursday. And that's important. Oh, and we all went to school at MCC. Okay, so you need to know that. Okay, so anyway, so then, uh, and then we're at Denny's. Okay, so then Jake, uh, the the server, he comes up. Oh, I forgot to tell you, the hostess. You know, and it's just like, and they're like, and you can use that in your act. You're like, use that oh, in your act. Can I? I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna. Can I really? I can. You give me permission, right? <laughs> you don't claim that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, and you know. And it it comes from a good place. It comes from a good place. People yeah. want to help, yeah. and they want to be involved, and the, and they yeah. and they love that you do comedy, and and you know, and it's oh. for us, it's so normal. But yeah. it's so weird what we do. It's so it's, it's so weird. It's so weird. I know, it, and it, it's it's weird because it's a thing that everyone does in day to day life. You know, everyone right. like is funny sometimes. Everybody's right. like, you can be an accountant and have a really funny day. And yeah, you're just like the funniest at the office that yeah. night. But it's like it's so different doing it in a professional setting. Right. You know, it just doesn't translate. Yeah, and comedy is all context, and and the hardest thing as a comedian is you have to immediately set the context, yeah, the vibe, the yes. characters. You know, like and then embody it's, it. It's no joke. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Paul. What do we call it? Paul Pound. Uh, pound for buns. Pound for buns. Pounds that's for buns. right. That's right. So. Absolutely. So, yeah. And, and I do talk about, like, really, if it's in your heart, forge your own path. Because yeah. usually the people who are giving you advice are people who are not doing it. Yeah. They're, you know, it's the whole Brene Brown, uh, don't take advice from people in the peanut gallery. If they're in the cheap seats and you're in the arena and you're on the arena floor and you're getting the yes. crap beat out of you. Yes. And you're out there and you're doing open mics every single night and failing and getting booed and, and getting bumped from shows and having bad sets. And, you know, and trying to hustle and getting told by club after club after club, oh, we don't, you know, getting ignored. Like, if you're doing that and then somebody who has no idea what is, is going to come by and tell you what to do. Yeah, never written a joke is going to criticize, especially if it's critique or criticism. Yeah. 
that's when I go, hey, no, man, no, 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 no. Now, and, if another comic comes up to me, if I get yeah. if I get approached by a headliner or something, they're like, hey, man, I think the way you describe this doesn't make yeah. me work, or if you want to add this, that, you yeah. know. And I've done that to you. I'm just like, oh, I have a tag idea. Yes. Take it or leave it. Because we're in the industry together. Yeah. I, I have respect for you as a yeah. comic. It's it's kind of like, a, it's a whole thing. It'd be like approaching a CEO and being yeah. like, hey, let me, let me look at your portfolio. I have some ideas. Yeah, I got you. like, um, you know, I really no. think you should uh, restructure your uh, people team. Yeah. Uh, the way you have your manager say, yeah. Yeah, like walking up to an accountant, like, I think I could run the books. Yeah. I've done math before. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, Let me tell yeah. you about assets and liabilities. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, and I think I think this just gets disrespected a little bit in, in, as a craft just because of that, just because everyone does it. Everyone assumes it's, yeah. uh, oh, well, I'm the funny guy in my group, or I cracked a joke in the office. And was hilarious. And was hilarious, so I can now now, now stand on stage. I got to tell one anecdote about that. Please. Although I'm trying to wrap up, but it's so hard to wrap I, up with Ezra. I was just, I don't let him. <laughs> so it was like four years ago. It's an open mic, bar mic. It's mm-hmm. everything that a bar mic is, mm-hmm. right? People with their Tons bastards. of people. Nobody's paying attention. Yeah. It's loud. It's ruckus. 80% of the people don't even know there's an open mic and aren't paying attention or just talking. But it's a pretty packed night. Yeah. And the... Uh, so I do the open mic. I go up there and I'm kind of doing my thing. And there was a guy in the audience who somehow it became clear that he wanted to try stand up but was nervous or whatever. So I started encouraging him, like, dude, just sign up. Yeah. Dude, just do it. Just Give do it. Go. Get up and say say whatever you want to say. And um he had a buddy next to him. This dude had on backwards or whatever. And and I was like, I was like, Hey, are you his friend? You need to encourage him or whatever. He's like, dude, don't talk to me. You're not funny. And I'm like, oh, an actual, like, asshole heckler. Like, that's, well, I guess I addressed him, but. But uh, still, you're not funny. You were on stage doing this, or was this afterwards? No, no, this was during my set. Really? This was during my set. like, hey, come on. Because, you know, I'm very interactive with the audience, which is impossible in a bar show. But I was interacting with these people and interacting with these people. It's like, it's necessary in a bar show, because you got to do something to get the attention. Yeah, to get them again. So crowd work's not a bad, it's hard, because a lot of them are jaded. Yeah. You know, drunk's yeah. not a problem, but drunk right. at bar is a different thing, I think. So that's what I was doing is I was trying to be as interactive as possible with what I've seen, but there's a million things going on. So now I kind of come to this kid. He's like, oh, whatever. And I was just like, oh, I'm not funny. I was like, oh, but you're funny. I was like, I am so, and I apologize. It was like, guys, everybody, I am so sorry. Turns out, according to this guy, and by the way, I was getting laughs, by the way, and there was a couple like yeah, tables yeah. who were paying attention. Like, according to this guy, I'm not funny, and I'm so sorry for taking your time. So I'm going to go and invite him to come up and do stand-up comedy so that he can show us what funny is. And I thought that would shut him down. He got up. He goes, okay. He and got he up. walks up, and I'm like, all right, what's your name? Whatever his name is like, all right, I'm going to give you a minute. Make him laugh. And he gets up there, head on backwards. He's like, yeah, what an asshole. Am I right? Everybody Dead. hates this guy. Yeah, immediately. Instantly. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, just, just eating it. Delighted. <laughs> so the host of the open mic yeah. also had a microphone. He's kind of sitting over on the side. So then, Do I know this person? I, I can't remember his name. No worries. Um, and he's a lot more. I'm not an aggressive roaster type guy, mm. but this guy had. Neither of us are. That's yeah, not that, that's not my thing. Not but this guy is like kind of like a roaster yeah, in a good yeah. way funny I, I'm, oh. I'm saying this like he's Ooh, very yeah. aggressive no, right? some people have that vibe and yeah. it works for him yeah, yeah like yeah, those yeah. people can do the roast battle be like I, dude this mother I sometimes wish that was my vibe yeah. but I'm just like I'm I've tried to sunshine battles, I, can't I can't do it can't you do know, it you know I mean? too nice too but nice. anyway he starts ripping this guy oh. just like roasting him you know what I mean 
over like the god mic? Or? Yeah, because he had the god mic, and this guy who just took my time for me oh, and has God. no jokes, has nothing. And then the guy's like, "Dude, dude, shut up. Let me just let me just do the joke." And then he, so then the host goes, "All right, everybody, be quiet. We're gonna give you one joke, one joke." You go, go "Okay, fine." Totally freezes. <laughs> And then the host. Like I said, you got a good deer in headlights. I, I know, right? I and then the host that. is just like, all right, you're done, dude. You're done. He's like, dude, you didn't even give me a chance. Dude, you didn't even give me a chance. <laughs> <laughs> so he sits down. The host brings on the next comic. And then the host, to his credit, I see him go talk to the, like, he's like, dude, hey, man, I just wanted to try to bury a hatchet, but what you did was not cool. He's like, dude, I, you didn't even give me it. And he's still defending himself or whatever. And it was so validating of just like, you have the nerve. So to, to, you know, again, it's I'm in the effing arena. I put my name on the list and I stood in front of this bar, a, a packed bar, and I'm up there trying to tell jokes. And you're going to tell me that I'm not funny and then have the audacity to come yes. take the mic from me yes. and then completely have nothing because you realize how hard it is. And the and you thought you could that's just go up feel, and insult everybody. That's got to feel pretty validating. Oh, it's so validating. And I you know what would have sucked, though, is if you would have grabbed that mic and, and then killed fire. It. Yeah. <laughs> But hey, if that's the case, then by all means. Then I guess. By all means. Yeah, I guess. All right, I guess I wasn't funny as that guy, you know. But that was a pretty safe bet you made. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was pretty safe. I, I just looked at the guy. I'm like, yeah, this, there's no way. He's this got guy, nothing. I've yeah. never seen him at one mic before. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's a pretty safe bet. You know, if it was like Cat Williams back there, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> like, well, why don't you come up and take the mic, Cat Williams? <laughs> this motherfucker, he's in there trying to be a funny man, but he is not nearly as funny as me. But Kevin Hart does. <laughs> I'm so weak. Your dice clay a little better than your cat. Oh, you, you like my dice clay better than <laughs> cat? I've never tried to do Cat Williams before. That was, that was actually not terrible. Not, not yeah, terrible. Not terrible. All right. All right, Ezra. I think we got to wrap this uh, circus oh show God. up. No, wait. Seven more things quick. Seven more things quick. <laughs> uh, I really want to. I really want to thank you for, before we go here the, for having me on and letting me share my little tales and stuff. And I got to say, your studio is awesome. And these chairs, I mean, I've just been sitting like a king. Like you I told you king. at the beginning of this, I should be giving people orders in this, in this chair. Want to give me an order just to see what it feels like? I'm so weak. I don't know. <laughs> That's I mean, why you'll never be a king, man. You knew it. I give you the power and you... I froze like the open mic guy. <laughs> yeah, open mic. I could be king. I could be king. I could be king. Oh, yeah? Yeah, oh, make yeah. an order. Make an order. Make a law. Like, oh... Lord, oh. <laughs> no, I had something, I swear. Heavy is the head, man. Oh, Heavy is the head. I'm a great king at work. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen me be king in our Zoom meeting yesterday. I was barking orders left and right, dude. When I'm king with my friends, bro, you Hey, hey, king, hey, king, you can use this law in your act. <laughs> Use this law on your next degree. No, dude. I was at Danny's and I came up with this law. Okay. So Jake came up. All right. By the way, uh, Jake's my second cousin. <laughs> Who's that guy with a sword? <laughs> we don't need him. Oh, my God. Oh. So thank you again. This is Ezra Stormont. Check him out online. Do you, uh, you want to plug your social media handles, all that? Yeah. Um, I am uh, I am uh, Ezra Stormont at everything, and Stormont is torment with an S in front of it. <laughs> and uh, real quick about dreams, actually, I uh, I started at Devil's Advocate, like I told you. It was across the street from Tempe Improv. My dream was to get up on that stage yeah. one day, and I'm actually going to be headlining um, 
February 4th. You're headlining at Tempe Improv. Yes, that's a yes, Sunday sir. of my calendar, yes. internal calendar. I'm going to try right. to make that. I think I can make oh, it. Can I buy a ticket? Come. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I got you. Yeah, yeah, come. Can I do a set? Just kidding. I just got to totally get it. I don't think I have the I, power yet. I hate when comics do that. That's because you're not the king. Yeah, not yeah. the king. Yes, we I saw what happened when you tried to be yeah. the king. It looks all like this. Uh... <laughs> Uh, very cool. I, yeah. I I think I'll be able to come check that out. So go check out Ezra Stormit, uh, February 4th at the Tempe Improv. Go check him out online. And thank you all so much for tuning into the Paul Green Comedy Podcast. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Follow him. Do it. Why have you not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for having me on. Well, that was really fun.